Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The NHL announced yesterday that 99% of its players have received the coronavirus vaccine. I guess they figure the side effects of the shot can't be worse than the side effects of hockey. I don't know if there was a visual with that, but that's a pretty good joke. As a former hockey player, if you keep all your teeth, it's a miracle. Ah, So this is interesting. I'll tell you this. You know, I'll throw a partisan jab around. Eh, Just have fun. But I don't make up crap. And Jack doesn't either. Jack will be right back, by the way. He had to just deal with some family business real quick. But um, we don't make up storylines because we think you'll like them, and we pitch you garbage just because we think it's good red meat, right? I only say stuff like this because I think it is actually true. Great-Grandpa Biden, smirtly girly park. Great Bi- Grandpa Biden. Pull that bad and kept care. That's right, sir. He is going to get pulled in to the Hunter Biden uh, tax uh, investigation, financial investigation, in short. There's almost no doubt Joe Biden is going to end up involved, although the FBI is going to uh, pussyfoot around, no doubt. Emails obtained by the Daily Mail and others from Hunter Biden's laptop show that his business partner, Eric Schwerin, was working on Joe Biden's tax returns and discussing the father and son paying each other's bills and sharing bank accounts. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Additionally, any, any proof of sharing bank accounts, period, that's all you would need. Story becomes a completely different story if they shared bank accounts at any point, and that's at all provable. Get out a Tide Pod and set the wash cycle on extra clean because there's money laundering going on here. Additionally, the emails show that Schwerin fielded book deal requests for Joe Biden, who was Veep at the time, also managed the donation of Biden's Senate papers to the University of Delaware. Hunter Biden has claimed that he and his father shared a bank account and admitted last year that he was under federal investigation over his taxes. Emails show that on April 9th, Schwerin wrote to Hunter, I was dealing all afternoon with JRB's taxes. Joseph R. Biden, but solved a big issue, so it was all worth it. Uh, a month later, he wrote, Your dad's Delaware tax refund check came today. I'm depositing it in his account and writing a check in that back to you since he owes it to you. Don't think I need to run it by him, but if you want to, go ahead. If not, I will deposit tomorrow. It's not clear what Joe Biden owed Hunter money for, but it doesn't really matter, and here's why. This, Artwork? This, maybe, uh, a, maybe a lovely painting? Maybe a uh, crack pipe? I don't think. Probably not. Probably not the crack pipe, but maybe uh, Hunter did a, a little etching for Dad, tossed one off for his papa. An etching? Nice. Yeah. So uh, this ex- a former federal prosecutor who requested not to be named because he's talking about the freaking president said, quote, whatever transaction you're looking at, if there's a connection to a family member or a friend, sure, the answer is yes, they'd be investigated. Obviously, if you're talking about the president of the United States, you'd better have a pretty damn good reason to talk to that person. Uh, another expert, former U.S. intelligence officer and Treasury Special Agent John Kassara, said President Biden would already be in the crosshairs if not for the fact that he's president. Quote, the information available publicly is very worrisome, particularly in the areas of corruption. They could go at this from all different avenues. Follow the corruption trail and then charge money laundering. 
Corruption is a predicate offense for money laundering. And besides corruption, it's the perception of corruption. This kind of thing should not be happening. It uh, undermines full faith in the U.S. government, undermines trust in our international reputation. It's an embarrassment. The only thing I would say is that, uh, because I watch MNBC, MSNBC at least a little bit every single day, they've been talking about various this and that on Trump's taxes for six years, and so far nothing has really happened. But always, this is the day we've got this email that shows blankety-blank, and, and, and it's, it's never come together. So That's right, that whole Southern District of New York, uh, what's that uh, prosecutor's yeah, and, name they're always maybe, throwing around? And maybe it will someday, but so far it hasn't, and I've been hearing about it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and that is an active investigation. I was, but I was, I was going to say, if Hunter is actually being investigated for tax evasion and money laundering, and he's sharing his accounts with his wealthy dad, his wealthy and well-connected dad, you have to go there. Have we mentioned that former President Bill Clinton is in the hospital in the uh, Los Angeles area? He uh, went in with what some heart problems last night and an uh, infection an infection that's right yeah and uh he has heart has had heart problems that's uh that's his health history bad heart problems that's why he's skinny now he was a fat old boy his whole life then his heart gave out then he's been a skinny old boy since then but he went in with an infection not covid related and they claim he's fine and they also claim that hillary left the hospital at like midnight last night kind of surprised she was there my sense from reading various things is their relationship is pretty um, bi-coastal as it is but what if Hillary couldn't find a spare pillow to press on his face, so she went home yes. disappointed? Yes, yes, yes. She was there to pinch the little tubes closed while yes. he's asleep. Yes, yes. Go, go Tony Soprano on uh, poor Christopher. Oh, geez. Anyway, uh, so he's a mid seventies, Bill Clinton, a guy uh, with heart yeah. problems. So you know, I think he's seventy two. Is that what I read? Early seventies. It was seventy five. Yeah, he could be right. Somebody look that up. Somebody who's got time to look that up. Look up how old Bill Clinton is. 75. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. What are we going to talk about? We can talk about people on the West Coast are getting sick and tired of the uh, non-prosecuting prosecutors in the big cities. Also, you know, this it's, it's a California story, but it is so pathetic. It's a lesson for everyone. The California so-called bullet train's latest chapter is just... Sad. Uh, the fact that it continues to exist and suck money down a sinkhole is incredibly frustrating for California taxpayers and anybody who, who prefers non-mobbed-up government. Uh, but it is so pathetic, I think it's worth sharing with the entire country. Uh, okay, and here's another one of those hilarious headlines. Um, breaking news from the New York Times. Fully vaccinated foreigners can enter the U.S. starting November 8th. <laughs> so on November 8th, not until November 8th, certainly not, fully vaccinated foreigners are allowed to enter the United States, never mind that tens of thousands of foreigners are entering the United States every month, and we have no idea where they're from, or obviously whether they're vaccinated or not. We don't even know if they're in the cartels and bringing uh, fentanyl into the country. How do you run a headline like that and do a story like that without the... Without mentioning the ironic twist that we have no borders. Blatant dishonesty? That's incredible. Breaking Boy, news. 
Fully <laughs> vaccinated foreigners can enter the United States starting November 8th and yes. not until then. Muchas gracias. Yeah, keep your shirt on there, foreigners. Not till the 8th. You Have heard you him. seen the videos of the people pouring across the border? That's hilarious. Boy, if you really wanted to raise the spirits of the, what is it, 60, 70,000 migrants who are making their way up through Central America and, and soon to be through Mexico to the border where they will be let in. If you want to lift their spirits, read that headline to them. Them and their cartel uh, uh, human transporters or traffickers, they'd all bust a gut. <laughs> the 8th, sure, November 8th. Yeah, we'll, we'll fill out the paperwork on the 8th. Well, <laughs> 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 They would throw their heads back and guffaw. Italy has just announced the most strict COVID rules, COVID vaccine rules of any uh, major com- country, so we can talk about that. What's the matter, you? What is Sad Girl Autumn that we're all about to enter? Sad Girl Autumn? (laughs) (laughs) Are we? (laughs) All that stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I've got the same problem lots of people are having this time of year, or uh, certainly having with their kids, where you got uh, unspecified not feeling good in the fall, which is cold and flu season. But, uh, you know, if you follow the rules of your school or your business, you're supposed to stay home. But you can't stay home every time you got a cold. I mean, that's unrealistic. Right. Um, so, you know, you guess whether or not you got the COVID. I don't think I got the COVID. I don't Coronavirus! Uh-oh, Dr. Cardi disagrees. <laughs> and every practically every parent in America has been turned into a liar. Because if you say, uh, yeah, J- Johnny's got a sore throat, um, they got to stay home for like two weeks <laughs> if you're going to follow the rules. Um, and, you know, you, you, that's unrealistic. So everybody lies. Yeah. I think that's what everybody's doing. Well, people do what they got to do. You yeah. know, the the ham-handed, ridiculous uh, regulations and rules and, and dictates and all. People are just had, they've had enough. They're That's what I'd say. Toe the company line. If I may make a request to nature, the next time we have a major worldwide pandemic, let's have the symptoms be radically different than the common cold or <laughs> allergies. Right. And not the same as practically every other disease you ever get in your life. Doesn't make things handy. Yeah, Bill Clinton went into the hospital last night with a urinary infection. He get that from uh, from from a trollop, probably, right? Whoa, wait, wait now. I'm not a not a doctor. Yes, yet. yes, yes. <laughs> Hillary has an opinion. Very nice. Wow, that's a leap. So I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned this late in the show yesterday. I thought I'd mention it again just so you can hear it. Um, maybe you've heard about this Chinese uh, real estate firm that's going under. Big giant company. Um, it turns out a whole bunch of them are about to go under, and they might be having their own 2008 in China. Hopefully, it's not like it was here in the United States where we brought down the whole world economy. But China's real estate developers hold more than $5 trillion in debt, and all of a sudden the bottom's just dropping out of the thing. $5 trillion, wow. which is about 30% of their total GDP. Financial analysts are waiting to see if the government intervenes to head off an economic meltdown. 
Yeah, they've had so much development so fast in China that they were uh, the builders, these real estate companies were allowed to essentially run a pyramid scheme where they borrowed enormous amounts of money to just keep building, counting on, you know, next month's apartment sales, financing the current debt load. One of your biggest companies for managing uh, other companies in real estate development said contracted sales revenues were down 33%, $3.1 billion from a year earlier. So it is collapsing oh. and collapsing fast. And you mentioned earlier um, about how you don't feel quite the same way about China as you did before. I don't. I don't either. I, I'm not. I'm not as worried that they're about to start dominating the planet. Man, they got financial problems, and this whole new thing that it turns out she is actually a communist. I didn't think he was a communist. No, I no. thought he was just a dictator like all other dictators, and he was going to do whatever gets him gets him more power. But he's making all kinds of crazy moves that are absolutely going to make them weaker and make it harder for him to uh, to control the place. Yeah, I pictured him as more Putin like a kleptocrat. More than a communist, uh, but he's a true believer, which means he will ruin the country. Oh, which reminds me, we ran out of time uh, last hour when we were talking about that uh, that book by the guy whose wife got disappeared four years ago. He he and his his wife especially was a super uh, business magnate in China, so richest woman in China. Richest woman in China disappears. Can you imagine that happening in the United States or England or anywhere? And and everybody knows the government did it. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So the last two questions they ask him, though, I thought were were great. Um, given all the global condemnation of human rights abuses and other things, although we're going ahead with the Olympics, isn't that charming? Go ahead and give them a showcase for the world again. Uh, do you believe the CCC, the, hmm, too many C's, the CCP still cares about what the world thinks of it? It's a dichotomy, he said. They definitely care, but the first thing for them is permanent hold on power. That's the first priority, and international image and all else becomes secondary in service of that. So, okay, fair enough. That's pretty obvious. But so, how should the U.S. and Western powers meet the challenge of China? And he says, people need to realize what we are dealing with. And in the long term, what's the outcome we wish for? Because at the moment, everybody's wishy-washy. The reality is that these two systems cannot coexist in the long term. What really needs to be done is to contain not just geographic expansion, but also economic. Ultimately, the fight in today's world is economics. What happened with Trump, like him or not, is that he changed global opinion on China. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. Because the whole world's trying to look away, and one leader comes out and says, this is what I'm seeing, and this is what we're going to do. That changed people's opinion. I'm not sure the EU would ever call China a systemic rival without Trump, so Trump definitely played his role. Yeah, that could be one of the weird turns of history, looking back on it, and it'll probably be forgotten, but Trump really caused uh, the big chunk of Americans or Western society that woke up to the evils of China. Right. He slapped the Western world in the face and said, wake up. And it could be it required a bull in a China shop to do that. And that could be one of the, the pivotal. Well, it's it's absolutely going to be one of the pivotal moments in history. Now, where it pivots to is anybody's guess, but it was definitely a change and a change that needed to happen. There continue to be empty shelves across the United States, all kinds of stores, food shortages, toilet paper shortages, all kinds of supply chain issues. Wild, I would have never expected a year and a half ago that this would still be going on. Oh, <laughs> by the way, the Babylon Bee, somebody or other just sent it to me, uh, uh, has a uh, one of their fake stories uh, with a, a fake picture showing all those container ships. And the uh, the headline is, Container Ships Arrange Themselves to Spell Out, Let's Go Brandon. 
We got to play the original. Of that where do we have that? Well, it's it's, it's, it's a bit of an issue. We have the very okay. very short version of it. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, yeah, because there are f bombs all over the place. People are chanting "f Joe Biden." The reporterette says they're chanting "Let's go, Brandon," which has become. And hilarious and ironic catchphrase, and the brand new Let's Go Brandon Armstrong and Getty t-shirts are great. They're one of my favorite designs we've ever had at armstrongandgetty.com. So fans of AM Talk Radio, who's the guy that used to be on late at night broadcast from a trailer in the middle of the desert? Art Bell. Art Art Bell, Bell, yeah. This is a story straight out of Art Bell, although I think it's real. Astronomy experts have detected unusual signals coming from the center of the Milky Way galaxy, leading experts to believe an undiscovered stellar object could be be behind the strange radio waves. Somebody's competing against us with radio waves from the middle of the galaxy. I don't like it a bit. Good morning, Klingon radio shining on. How's everybody this morning? (laughs) Um... Objects throughout the galaxy have changing magnetic fields that produce radio waves, according to NASA. During its life cycle, a star emits light across the electromagnetic spectrum, including some waves. We know. Invisible to the human eye. (laughs) Anyway, but the radio waves picked up by a team of international researchers are unusual for a whole bunch of different reasons. And um, they said the object's brightness varies dramatically, blah, blah, blah. It randomly switches on and off. It's a strange property of a new signal, and we don't know what it is or what's going on. We've never seen anything like it. This could be nothing, or it could turn out to be the key to... The answer to everything everybody's ever wondered about the universe. Who knows? It could just be an interstellar security uh, light that turns on when it gets dark, right? Light varies wildly. You think they've got a security light? Right, so nobody invades their planet. Mm. At nighttime, giant spotlights go on. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe, uh, Captain Kirk got a look at it. Um, Some really interesting data that's out about the Democratic Party. China's in trouble. The Democratic Party's in trouble. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As far as Chandler Skate Park, they'll be done in about the next 10 days or so. Victor Williams. Local four. Victor, you are so cool. Come He's on. so cool. <laughs> you just blew Karen's mind. She was waiting. So to impressed. See I go. knew he was cool, but that's a whole new level. <laughs> really good stuff, Victor. Great story. Thanks, guys. Wow, Victor really wowing the folks there at this. He was uh, shredding as he was reporting on the skateboard park. Cool. Yeah, that is cool. God, I want to be able to do that. I was at the skateboard park with my son just the other day, and I was watching him. I said, I just, I wish I could do that. I really want to be able to do that. Mm. Just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, well, I admire you for that. Uh, oof, it's not I'm, on my list. I'm just board around the, the 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 top, you know, on the on the on the flat surface. But going down in the bowl thing, I just I don't understand how you get up the guts to do it the first time. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I've you know I've really enjoyed all of my orthopedic surgeries so far, but I think I've had enough of them. So you go ahead. Good luck. God bless you. Hey, this is just sad and sick. But real quickly. An attacker killed a British lawmaker during a meeting with constituents Friday, stabbed him to death uh, northeast of London. That's the second time in a year or so that somebody has uh, murdered a British lawmaker while they're meeting with constituents, which they generally do once a week. Wow. That's just getting horrendous, man. Yeah. Um, And uh, while we're doing grim, terrible terrorist attack in Afghanistan, but the reason it's particularly 
uh, significant from uh, the news I was taking in about it is it appears to be an ISIS-K attack on uh, on worshippers deep into Taliban-held territory, like where you would expect it to be perfectly safe. Well, yeah, Kandahar is like their capital. And they, they're, they're making it clear to the Taliban that, hey, we can reach out anywhere and do this sort of thing. So the likelihood of a full-on civil war between those two groups is much more likely than it was six hours ago. Well, and, and was always going to happen. Probably. I mean, it's a godforsaken hellhole after all. So I was trying to remember, well, I was listening to a long podcast yesterday about this guy, David Shore, and I was trying to remember where, where, when did Joe mention this on the air and when did this come up? And you were getting to the other day, this guy, David Shore, who's a legal or a political analyst on how he got drummed out of the, the business because of a tweet after George Floyd. Right. Um, which is its own interesting story. And, and then he became even more successful at his own company, but. Yeah. yeah, he was he was canceled for dare daring to breathe the truth, which is actually absolutely amazing, especially given his place of prominence within the Democratic Party. He was known as the data whisperer to Obama himself. He was so well respected. He started as a high school kid analyzing this stuff and just and and hit a number of elections in a row where he just absolutely nailed the pred- the predictions dead on starting as a 16 year old working from his parents house crazy yeah. and then the next thing you know he's uh, he's got the direct line to Barack Obama and he was uh, he was the guru but then the George Floyd tweet where he pointed out accurately that violent protests hurt your poll numbers peaceful protests help them he was drummed out for that canceled but some of the data that he's been revealing lately is pretty damn interesting um, the Democratic Party is in a bad state, according to Ezra Klein in his column all about this. And he goes through that whole story Joe told. But according to Shore's data, uh, this is the high water mark for power for the Democrats for the next decade, at least, according to David Shore. Wow, do tell. Democrats are on the precipice of an era without any hope of a governing majority, according to David Shore. The coming year, while they still control the House, the Senate, and the White House, is their last best chance to alter course. To pass a package of democracy reforms that makes voting fairer and easier. This is Ezra Klein writing this. I don't believe that it's going to make it fairer and easier. He's so full of crap. But anyway. It's going to make it easier and less fair. Uh, and to, it's certainly less secure. But to offer statehood to Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., to overall Boo. how the party talks and acts and thinks and win back the working class voters, white and non-white, who have left them. If they fail, they will not get another chance anytime soon, says David Shore. Shore started modeling elections in 2008 when he was 16 years old. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the Golden Report that, 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 that he came up with that everybody he all of a sudden became the guy you had to know in Washington, D.C. Got vaulted to being able to have, you know, get Obama on the phone anytime he wanted to. We went through the whole thing about how he lost his career over George Floyd, which is absolutely amazing. In the party that he was, you know, had dedicated his life to help, they still drummed him out. Um, I'll get into some of the stats in just uh, here in a second. There's one more thing that I wanted to mention before I get into the stats. are absolutely amazing. Uh, bu- 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 Coming up, the latest on California's incredibly, mind-bogglingly moronic, non-bullet bullet train. Stay with us. At the heart of Shore's frenzied work is the fear that Democrats are sleepwalking into catastrophe. Since 2019, he's been building something he calls the Power Simulator. It's a model that predicts every House and Senate presidential race between now and 2032 to try to map out the likeliest future for American politics. Politics. I would say that's silly. 
and pointless if it weren't for the fact that he's been pretty damned accurate in the past projecting that far out. He's been obsessively... 2032, I've predicted Scarlett Johansson versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) He's been obsessively running and refining these simulations over the past two years, and they keep telling him the same thing. We're screwed in the Senate, only he didn't say screwed, says Ezra Klein. Uh, of of ever having of ever having any hope of controlling the Senate ever again in the next several decades. Here's one of the reasons: it's the Democratic Party's belief that the liberal whites, particularly liberal white college educated women, are the core of the party. There are three times as many moderate or conservative non-white Democrats than there are very liberal whites. Three times as many moderate or conservative non-white people in the Democratic Party, yet they continue to go with things like Latinx or birthing people or all this crap that none of those moderate conservative non-white people think makes sense. They all think it's crazy talk, just like you think it's crazy talk. It's it's they're being dictated to by the Lululemon wearing wealthy super lefty white women, and that chunk of uh, the voting crowd is three times the size of the liberal whites in the Democratic Party that get all the attention wow. on cable news and Twitter and everything else. Thanks, Twitter. So the squad, in terms of significance and their thinking, is just dwarfed, utterly dwarfed by, say, the Problem Solvers Caucus, the moderates. All right, you're you're moderate to conservative, and that would be a non-whites, which would be a lot of Hispanics, ton of Hispanics, and a lot of uh, uh, the black crowd that they they think calling moms birthing persons is crazy. Right. Well, and we've gone through the statistics that how uh, most Hispanics have never heard of the term Latinx, and if you explain it to them, they hate it. But they continue to say it on NPR or MSNBC like it makes sense. And all they're doing, so then this brings us to this other uh, term, Oh, the, the term flitted out of my head. I hope it comes back because it's an important term. Well, uh, I was just going to interject. Picture telling, uh, you know, a hardworking black man that a transgender person is exactly the same as his mom, and they should be uh, mentioned in the same uh, regard, in the same breath, in every way. And they should deny that there's any difference, which the, is crazy. Right, and the average Hispanic family just thinks that's absolutely nuts. And so they're be, being driven into the arms of the conservative party just because they keep emphasizing these stupid issues. Yeah. And uh, one of the points from uh, David Shore and Urza Klein uh, through the article in the New York Times the other day, which has turned out to be a really big deal for, the, uh, for people that look at politics, is that Democrats need to quit emphasizing these things. Um, you, you can still believe them if you want or have them part of your platform or whatever, but emphasizing is going to drive these moderate conservative non-white Democratic voters, which is three times the size of the liberal white crowd, into the arms of the, the Republican Party or at least staying home, and that they're doomed because of this. And there's no indication on the horizon that that's going to happen. You know, Shore's philosophy... Which, it's one of those things, and there's so many things these days like this. It's so obvious, you think, why do I have to point this out? <laughs> right. Shore's idea is popularism. Yes, popularism, exactly. Yeah, That's the it, word I was looking for. Okay, yeah. If, if, our po- if our voters are really, really into an issue, let's make that our issue. 
What? No, we have yeah. to call people birthing people. I don't know if he invented this. I guess I suppose the uh, idea of it's always already always been around, but whether or not this is a new word to put on it, popularism as an idea is you talk about the things most people like, you emphasize things that that the bulk of your party likes, and you don't you know put out in front the things they don't like as much, even if that's still part of the party. With the idea that most of us voters. Almost all voters, you vote for a candidate or a party. There are things about them you don't like that you don't agree with. But the things they're emphasizing, you do agree with. Right. And then you end up voting for them. Well, if they're emphasizing the things you don't agree with, then you probably won't vote for them. That just seems to be the way the human mind works. Yeah. Well, I, as a conservative, I'm somewhat delighted, although it's dangerous what they're doing. I'm somewhat delighted that the Democratic Party is poisoning itself with the super elite way out there wackadoodles calling the shots. Unfortunately, a lot of good people are losing their careers and, and getting, you know, discriminated against whatever they have. Per- they have successfully perverted our schools from kindergarten through grad schools. And that's not amusing at all. Yeah, well, maybe there's uh, maybe there's a chance that the uh, that that tiny section of liberal white college graduate women do end up running that party. I don't know, but that is really interesting that they're outnumbered three to one by a crowd that thinks you're nuts. You know what woke means? It means you're a loser. Defund the police is n- this. This is the majority of the Democratic Party thinks defund the police is crazy. Calling moms birthing people is crazy. Using terms like menstruating persons is crazy. Because you can't utter the word women. Teaching racism in schools is nuts. Oh, no, it's justified racism to correct racism. Here's another one that I almost guarantee is true. Having open borders and letting anyone in ah. is berserk. Right. True international average of pressure. And then you take a look at some of the blue states where those wackadoodles have held sway, and you have growing, rapidly growing resentment. You know, as I've always said, and do I come off as a little smug when I say this? Maybe. The best way to discredit progressive policies is to enact them. Well, they have on the West Coast. To a large extent, we have the voters. Um some of the results coming up in a moment or two, if you can hang around. But because of those overwhelming numbers of moderate and conservative non-white voters, his 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 view is unless they change, and I doubt that they're going to, Democrats are not going to be a majority party any time in the next several decades again. Right. That's really right. interesting. Just got an email from uh, Jeff. He said, Joe, please stop denigrating uh, yoga pants. Talking about the Lululemon-wearing ultra-liberal women. I'm not anti-yoga pants. Goodness knows I'm not anti. That was not my meaning at all. (laughs) I support the wearing of yoga pants wherever it it occurs. Airplanes, workplaces. Viva la yoga pants. Grocery stores. Anywhere you want, ladies. Probably practically everywhere but at a yoga studio. (laughs) Probably where they're mostly worn. Was that why they call them yoga pants? It never occurred to me. (laughs) I assume. Yeah, I'm just going to assume that. Of course. Uh, All that stuff we mentioned next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Blown call ends one of the great series in baseball history. Um, that's why I'm against reviewing plays. 
I don't feel like there are any more or less times that this happens since they started reviewing all the plays. There's only been a handful in my entire life. There still continue to be them, yet they slow down all the games with all these reviews. Do away with the reviews. Go back to the uh, you know the occasional human error. Because if you're not going to get them all right, then quit wasting my time with all these uh, taking a look at this call or that call. Uh, yeah. yeah, you have a point. There are a hell of a lot of questionable balls and strikes calls, you know, sure, as there always, always. are, and, yeah. and you don't review those. Oh, yeah, and in the NBA, every, almost every foul, in the, oh, in the, in the NFL, almost every pass play. Yeah. I don't yeah. think they're any more accurate now than they used to be, so to do away with the nonsense that we're, we've got to get it, getting it right is the most important thing, because you didn't get it right last night in a one nothing game between 209 win teams. Right, right. Disappointing. Dodgers fans, you're... Victory is tainted. Oh, tainted, absolutely. I say. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. I won't. I won't acknowledge it. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> I have not conceded. Signed Dodgers fans. <laughs> That's right. I have not conceded. I demand an audit. Uh, so this is. I wish I could come up with some sort of unifying theory, some sort of algorithm of patheticness. Maybe I'll work on it during the commercial break <clears throat> to describe what's going on with the the unspeakably stupid California so-called bullet train project at this point. This is unintentional comedy of, of the highest order. And and I wish I could come up with a mathematical formula to, to quantify how idiotic it is. But so uh, it, I'm quoting now from, uh, who is this? Uh, it might be the Sacramento Bee. It doesn't really matter. <clears throat> uh, actually, it's a, a TV station in Northern California, KCRA TV. A new and fundamental debate has emerged in the battle over California's high-speed rail project that could significantly downgrade the troubled effort. Should the trains even be high-speed when the system launches? What? Well, we've known for like a decade it was going to be a regular-speed train, so I I don't know what they're talking about. I thought they gave up on that a long time ago. Oh, it gets better and better. That's a conversation Democrats in the state assembly want to have amidst the negotiations whether to release about $4 billion more in bond money for the project. The California High-Speed Rail Authority, which is one of the greatest thieves in American history, says it needs the money to continue construction beyond next summer. The lunkhead governor, Gavin Mussolini, included it in his state budget, but the uh, legislature is saying, legislature is saying oh, wait now, come on now, and they're arguing about it. This, this is my favorite paragraph. It's the latest setback for the project, originally expected to cost $33 billion and be completed last year. So last year, you were supposed to be able to ride a train back and forth between L.A. and San Francisco in like an hour. Yeah, super high-speed bullet train. Last year for $33 billion total. Okay? Today, the vision of shuttling passengers between Los Angeles and San Francisco in less than three hours is a distant dream. The first leg of rideable track... Connecting two cities in the Central Valley, specifically for Californians, Merced and Bakersfield, which are lovely places, but they're kind of agricultural towns in the middle of the Central Valley, and Mercedians who want to get to Bakersfield or vice versa can get there in a big hurry and without any trouble whatsoever. They get on Interstate 5. They don't need a choo-choo train. So anyway, that that's the first leg of rideable track. That won't start until at the earliest, the year 2029. Wow. And the High Speed Theft Authority, because that's what they're doing. It's not, it has nothing to do with rail, it's theft. It's the California High Speed Theft Authority. <laughs> they admit 
that first length of track nobody wants won't be ready till 2029 at the earliest, and they've conceded the total project costs are going to be at least $98 billion. I will save you the trouble. They're already admitting it's going to be triple what was sold to California voters. And, and it's probably going to be much more than that. I have said many times, and I will stand by my words, it will be $200 billion minimum if they ever finish this thing. And the latest polls show a vast majority of Cal Unicornia voters say kill it, end it, stop it. But it's a vampire. It can't be killed. Don't let this happen wherever you live. Whatever voting process you have, never approve some giant project like this because it turns into a money pit. So what are you going to get for $200 billion? Well, current plans call for the first rideable leg to go from Bakersfield to Merced, where passengers would ideally be able to hop on another transit line to head into the San Francisco Bay Area in a roundabout way. And now they're arguing whether they should pour the, these billions of dollars into building more track or making a big fancy station in Merced. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, you got to laugh to keep from crying. Unbelievable. It's the last of the $10 billion voters voted for stupidly in 2008. Trump tried to kill it. It almost died. And if you're a liberal, what could you have done to the homeless situation with $200 billion? or Mental health care. Yeah, exactly. Or schools or whatever your issue is on the left. Free yachts for illegal immigrants. (laughs) I mean, you name it. And that's, you know, thank you for bringing that up, Jack. That's an argument we've made many times. If you are a liberal, you should be a fiscal conservative. You should not be fine with all this money being wasted by government just handed out to cronies. It ought to enrage you because your causes, which I might differ with, but your causes aren't being funded. If you miss an hour of the podcast or if you want to buy any of our Armstrong and Getty swag, you can find all that stuff at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.